It's our annual holiday book show with our book experts, Jill Erickson, reference librarian at Falmouth Public Library, and Melanie Lowers, books editor at the Cape Cod Times. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. This is always a fun one because um, when we get to the arts and crafts section, you just, I mean, we have, <laughs> in years past, I just think of some of the crazy things we could, remember the decorating with tea bags or something <laughs> like that? Yes. And yes. then uh, the fa la 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 felt, yeah. which I still have. I know. Right, but we're going to start with Christmas anthologies. Uh, anthologies. Jill, what have you got? Well, I'm starting with one of my favorite books in the entire library. And i it's my personal mission to save this book. So that's why I'm talking about it this morning. This is an old book, and old books sometimes vanish from library shelves. But in this case, we have here a book called The Home Book of Christmas, edited by May Lamberton Becker. And this book is so old that it still has a stamp on it that says Falmouth Free Public Library. And I don't know how long it's been since we've been Falmouth Free Public Library. Uh, It actually was originally published in 1941, but this is the sixth printing in 1949 that I'm holding, and it really is just a collection of fabulous stories and songs and recipes uh, having to do with Christmas. And a couple years ago, I was so anxious that this book was going to vanish from our shelves that I had one of our uh, reference librarians write a blog up about this. So, And I love her opening of her blog, which in which she wrote, if you were in the habit of judging a book by its cover, which I have done on occasion, then you will miss out on a delightful, nostalgic sampling of Christmas literature, recipes, and carols that can be found in the home book of Christmas. This small book with its plain blue cloth cover that is faded and worn, and Pages that are discolored and written on by previous readers is a modest housing for such a treasure trove. Uh, and indeed it is. It, it has, I mean, just everything. It's got Louisa May Alcott. It's got Charles Dickens. It's got Hans Christian Andersen, Longfellow, everybody you could possibly want to read um, and what their stories of Christmas are. But it also has recipes. So, for example, it has in here uh, Martha Washington's recipe for chicken pie, which included a <laughs> pound and a half of lamb and hard-boiled eggs. Wow. But you also find, every time I look in this, I find something that I had forgotten about from Christmas Pass, and one of them is this letter from Fra Giovanni to the Contessina, um, which was written in 1513, and I had an English teacher who gave this to us a long time ago, and I just, just one sentence, this is the end of this beautiful letter about Christmas, and um, it says, and so at this Christmas time, I greet you, not quite as the world sends greetings, but with profound esteem, and with the prayer that for you now and forever, the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Mm-hmm. It's wow. just such yeah. a beautiful letter, and of course, nobody writes letters anymore, so it's nice right. to well, see that. you know, but, I have a feeling when you um, get back to the library, there's probably going to be a whole bunch of people with a hold on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's a gorgeous collection. And for a more current collection, uh, there's something called the Christmas Almanac, which in fact has, it's described as part reference, part anthology, part cookbook, part history book, part songbook, part shopping guide, which is the modern part of this book, uh, part crafts and part trivia books all in one. And sure enough, it tells you everything you could want to know about any little piece of Christmas. They have Christmas tree botany in here. They have how to store your Christmas keepsakes. 
They have talking about recycling your Christmas tree and just full of the most beautiful illustrations. Unlike my previous book, which has absolutely no (laughs) illustrations, this is packed full of gorgeous images. So definitely worth and and funny things in it, like a Jerome K. Jerome story, which I would never have expected to find. So again, sort of a mix of old and new, but definitely has shopping suggestions as well. (laughs) And we have, I guess, novels, short stories, and other stuff that you have there, Melanie. Yeah, uh, we were talking earlier about how every novelist with a series Mm -hmm. comes out with a Christmas Christmas, novel. And I think that's great. I mean, I think that's fine. If you like, if you like um, a certain novelist, then you're interested in what they've done in terms of, you know, a holiday book. Um, one of the ones that just landed on my desk is called The Walnut Tree, A Holiday Tale by Charles Todd. It's brand new. And um, for anyone who's familiar with Charles Todd, that's a mother and son writing team. And they write books. Um, they have a series called the Inspector Ian Rutledge Mysteries. And they also have a series of the Best Crawford Mysteries. And this is sort of a offshoot from one of the Best Crawford Mysteries, in which a young woman, um, her name is El- Lady Elspeth Douglas, and her friend Madeline end up nursing on the fields of northern France during World War One. And they come back to England, and there's romance, and there's multiple soldiers involved, mm-hmm. young, mm-hmm. handsome soldiers, of course. <laughs> um, but in the end, uh, there was a famous Christmas truce um, in World War One, And this book goes to that, too, between the German soldiers and the English soldiers. And, um, and so the book weaves in history, it weaves in romance, but it also weaves in some of the more familiar characters from the series. And I think that's to be expected with most of these. Um, the... Charles Todd mysteries are really well thought of. I mean, I think they, you know, in terms of murder mystery series, they have a pretty uh, solid reputation. Oh, so I haven't in a heard Christmas of novel, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Right. Yeah. The second thing I brought, and Jill brought this too, um, and I don't turn down anything by Donald Hall, um, <laughs> who is our former um, uh, poet laureate of the United States back in 2006, 2007. Um, he is uh, a national treasure, I think, at this time. And this is a new book called Christmas at Eagle Pond, a story by Donald Hall. It's very, very short. A total is 78 pages. And base, and there's some lovely uh, what I would call pen and ink uh, illustrations in the book. That's one of the things. I love Mary Azarian's artwork in this book. It's it, really they're beautiful. beautiful. They really are. They would make lovely woodcuts uh, on their own. But basically um, this is a story uh, from his own childhood. Uh, Eagle Pond belonged to his grandparents in Eagle Pond Farm. And he was able to go there in the summers, but he only knew about winters and Christmas from postcards his grandmother sent uh, to to he and his family who were a distance away uh, in Connecticut. And Eagle Pond Farm, of course, is in New Hampshire. And so what he writes here, um, this is just lovely, but he says in the back of the story, I did not go to Eagle Pond at Christmas in 1940. In summers when I was a boy, I took the train to my grandparents' farm, hanging with my grandfather and hearing his thousand stories. During the school year in Connecticut, I read the postcards my grandmother wrote, Autumn Leaves, Christmas, the First 
daffodils. My mother told me stories about winter at Eagle Pond Farm, where my grandfather chopped timber and hauled ice, and about the Christmas parties at church. I wanted desperately to visit for Christmas, but it never worked out. From my summer visits, I knew all the people in this book. I remember how they talked. The only survivor of old times, I moved here for good in 1975. In my 80s, I inhabit the beloved place, mourning and celebrating the golden dead, as bright as Freeman's discovery in the hills. In this book, I have given myself the thing I most wanted, a boyhood Christmas at Eagle Pond Farm. Oh, now, lovely. Now, yeah. that's just the yes. author's note. You can imagine yeah. how lovely the story yeah. is. Wow. And I, as our as our national poet, of course, he's renowned for that, but I think also uh, anyone who loves his poetry will love his prose, right. too. Yeah, as you say, it's a, it's a small book. It's, yeah, yeah, it is very well, small. And one of the funniest things you learn in this book is about bananas. He has this <laughs> comment about how he gets some bananas for Christmas, and this is unbelievable because yeah. nobody ever got bananas. <laughs> and then you've got uh, well, this, this is an this interesting little, little title. It's really cute. Um, another new book, 52 Little Lessons from It's a Wonderful Life. And you know, these kind of books, they come out frequently. But I was impressed by the fact that the author is Bob Welch, who's published a number of books and is an adjunct professor of, of journalism at Oregon, um, at University of Oregon in Eugene. But he's written widely in, in a lot of different uh, places, Sports Illustrated, Runner's World, Reader's Digest, that kind of thing. What he what he did was he loves this movie. And... Um, he he loves it so much. He knows it like many of us do by heart. But he decided that in almost every scene of that movie, there's a lesson to be learned. And they're life lessons. And I think if you think about it, that makes sense. You know, that's that's why we love the movies, because we do see these people learn these lessons. But in the beginning, he says, a bank in the city where I live has an interesting requirement for all new employees going through their orientation. They must watch a series of scenes from It's a Wonderful Life. The message in that film, the bank president told me, is the message we want our employees to come to work with every day. The idea that our actions make a difference in the community around us. And so the basis of this is is everything from how uh, rich people should behave to the fact that miracles do happen uh, to the fact that long relationships can be the best kind um, to uh, seeking counsel from people. The whole range of human experiences he, he ties to the movie in some way and it's a fun read he's a good writer well and i do have to say about that movie the one bad thing about that movie is the portrayal of librarians not the best (laughs) (laughs) it's our annual holiday book show with jill erickson and melanie lowers our toll-free number if you have a book you'd like to suggest 866-999-4626 that's 866-999-4626 our email address is the point at wgbh.org and don't worry about writing down all of these titles because we will have a link uh, on our um, on the point page to the list of books. You've got a novel? I do have a novel. And I there are so many novels now that come out. It's become a real marketing thing. You, people's mystery, Christmas mm-hmm. novels, uh, you know, novels that are short, novels that are long, but tons of Christmas novels. So I decided to go back to one of my favorite uh, Christmas novels, which is something... I don't think another one of those books, I think I'm the only one that checks out every year from the (laughs) library, which is a novel by William Wharton. Now, he's the guy that wrote Birdie, which was a very popular book and begot 
to be made into a popular movie. Uh, this one is called Tidings, as in Christmas Tidings. And I think I love it because it's just such a fantasy about a family. They all get together in France. And, you know, why not? Who doesn't want to spend right, Christmas sure. in France if you Sign can do up. it? Yeah. <laughs> and they have, it's a, a couple that is has been married. It's about to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary. There are four children, three of whom live in the United States, one of whom who is younger and lives with them are all coming together for the Christmas holiday. They all have various problems, which all get pretty neatly wrapped up by the end of the book. But he is a beautiful writer. He really is. And I have to say, the story has dated somewhat. It was written in mm-hmm. 1984 or something. We're around there. And uh, so not quite as um, Current, relevant yeah. as yeah. one might. But still, that that family coming together in Christmas, mm-hmm. he does it. And it all takes place in a very short amount of time. And they go through Christmas Eve together and Christmas morning. And it's it's just it's beautifully written and not everything is tied up but it's it's a nice story to read at this time of okay. year when families are getting together <laughs> all right my favorite category here arts and crafts um and and Jill I want you to start because you, you, there's <laughs> there's always something that's unexpected well, and this this you, you've is, got this it is, this year yeah, yeah. this year's <laughs> book which is right up there with our classics is called and I'm not making this up. This is really what it's called. It's called 55 Christmas Balls to Knit. Colorful, festive ornaments, tree decorations, centerpieces, wreaths, window dressings by Arn and Carlos. Now, these are two guys. And it has a fa- it's worth looking at this the book just to fabulous, see yeah. the photos of their house. These guys live together in Norway. Um, they are apparently knit designers. And they have a going business of you know, designing knitwear. But they came upon this idea of creating creating a book of these designs for knit knit balls and they really are just little balls well, that Christmas you knit balls, yeah. Christmas balls and you fill with stuffing and but they have all of these designs and it's just sort of a wacky book because it goes back and forth between what they do for the holidays and little their little Christmas songs it's very sort of Scandinavian it is Scandinavian <laughs> and, then and some they things tell stories on YouTube, right? yeah. and you can watch yeah. them talk about their house on YouTube if you want anyway a very fun book and yeah. and actually it's right up there with knitting socks. You know, yeah. I, if I can learn how to knit socks, well, just the, I think the, I can. The, the cover photo of the two of them sitting there with their knit, it's, it's just, it's hysterical. Well, and apparently one of them knits and the other one stuffs the balls. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but I have another one, which I really enjoyed. Uh, this is an English, this is somebody who is English and it's called Mini Christmas Knits. And it's how to make little bitty knit things for your Christmas tree, like little tree, little sweaters. But the best one in here is by far the fir tree egg cozy. (laughs) And the photos, this again has great photos and it has a little, it looks like a real tree and it's sitting on top of your egg. So if you're somebody who... Like Where do you spoil- keep all this stuff the rest of the year? I, well, that's that yes, is that's a in good the butler's question. pantry. Yeah, you gotta have a <laughs> and some I also have one hundred snowflakes to crochet. Uh, make your own snowdrift to give or to keep. Which I have to say, the designs are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I, would hang those those. My, I would hang those on my tree. Yeah. Though these are definitely, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and they are apparently not that difficult to do. So another, go. yeah, and I, I, you brought a winner too, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have the twelve knits of Christmas by Fiona Goble, and I, I think we ran a story the other day in the paper about how much it costs now. Uh, the twelve days of Christmas is up to like one hundred and seven thousand well, dollars. 
Well, for $106,995 less, um, <laughs> you can knit um, The 12 Days of Christmas. And it's really a cute little book. It's paperback. And... Um, she lists everything that you need in the beginning and some techniques and things like that. But what I found was, I I think I could probably do this. You know, they might not look as good as hers, but I it's not difficult knitting. But um, And then the song, of course, The Twelve Days of Christmas, winds through the book. So we have, actually, there's a paper pear tree in the back. Uh, so once you knit your partridge, <laughs> you can put him in the paper pear tree. Um, and there's the directions for the partridge and the pear tree, the equipment and everything. And all the way through two turtle doves. The five golden rings, pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. They look like they're pretty simple. And they come with a, you make a little pillow to put them on that has a little heart applique on it. Once you get up to the six geese laying, you got more knitting to do. And you've got your wings to sew on, that kind of thing. The seven swans, the swimming, again, more wings and Mm -hmm. and swan feet that you're Mm -hmm. going to knit separately and stitch on. The eight maids milking, that's going to take a little bit of time. And my favorite is... The Ten Lords of Leaping, in which for some reason their legs do stick out in the front and the back. So it looks like they're, <laughs> they're leaping. leaping yeah. I mean, it's really cool. Um, and then with the, uh, the 11 pipers piping, they actually come with little knit hats and separate little pipes that you make. Um, I would think that this would take somebody... Uh, you know, a, a project over the course of a year. But it sure would be something that if you wanted to do it for your family mm-hmm. or to has it, have it as a family gift of some sort, it would be absolutely adorable uh, yeah. and, and could easily be handed down from one generation to the next. Yep. All right, Jill, what have you got? Well, I've got – this is our segue, I think, into cookbooks. But, oh, okay. Um, are, we, are we done with arts <laughs> and crafts? <laughs> okay. Cookbooks. Uh, All right. But this actually is part craft part recipes. It's called Have Yourself a Very Vintage Christmas. Oh, I love this one. Crafts, decorating tips and recipes from the 1920s to the 1960s. And basically what she does is throughout this book, she talks about what the traditions in each different decade were. So she then provides step-by-step instructions that allow anyone to deck their halls with cellophane wreaths or glittered glass ornament balls or beaded bell garlands. Uh, She has has a style file that sort of explains what what was popular in every decade and why it was popular. And she has also some fascinating information in here, which I... Now, you guys may already have known this, but did you know... Do you know why animal crackers have a string on them? No, you know the little no, boxes yeah. of animal yeah. crackers? This is the fascinating stuff you learn when you read these books. Have you ever wondered why animal crackers have a string on the box? Originally, these small boxes were meant to hang on Christmas trees. Who knew? Yeah, the custom know of putting children's treats on the tree, widespread in Europe, was eagerly embraced in America. And as mass production and packaged food became more widespread, small boxes of purchased treats gradually replaced the paper cones of Victorian times. So wow. you learn. But as you go... Go through this book. You'll see, depending on how old you are, you will recognize the images. I mean, she's got great pictures of various trees. She also includes this whole section in the back, which is images that you can use to copy to make cards. Or she has very simple projects like taking little matchboxes, copying her images from the back, pasting them onto the matchbox. So very simple things, but it really gives you a feeling for Christmas through the age. You can have a retro Christmas. You absolutely can. And she do what colors? She tells you what colors wow. to use, what kind of ornaments, etc. All right. Oh, the cellophane wreaths sound nice. We had those. <laughs> <laughs> 
I miss those now. Wait, well, you definitely no, you make will one. recognize <laughs> things in this book. What have you got? Um, I have. I brought the Good Housekeeping Great Christmas Cookie Swap Cookbook. And one of the reasons I brought it was I thought that for many years, every time I make cookies, if I want to make more, I double the recipe. I triple the recipe or whatever. But sometimes that's not quite right. And you find that out after yeah, you, yeah, you taste those cookies. Um, right. The thing I like about this is it has recipes for 60 large batch recipes to mm. bake and share. But it's also a really cool book for anyone who would like to host a cookie swap or a has had coffee, uh, cookie swaps in the past that haven't turned out as well as they would like. And the neat thing about it is this is really hands-on information. This is somebody who's done this a lot, so they know where the pitfalls are. Mm-hmm. And so they can tell you the best ways to cool cookies, the best ways to package them, uh, how many cookies to plan to bring, and, and how to um, tell other people what to bring and how to think about the cookie swap. So everyone's sort of on the same page or plate whatever, mm-hmm. um, when they actually, when the party actually happens. And she actually even includes in the back uh, recipe cards and, and little, um, uh, like little tags that you can put in your box of cookies. But the recipes are wonderful and the, the photography is beautiful. Uh, she does have some um, uh, some time-saving trips, tips rather, that I think are really useful to do this kind of thing. I try to put these things into place myself because I, for a while there, I was baking for everybody in the family, uh, including myself. But the idea of making dough in advance and mm-hmm. freezing it, mm-hmm. which for some doughs, at least chilling it, is a requirement anyway. Setting up an assembly line, which I think it's a great idea to do that all in advance. Um, I probably do a variation on an assembly line myself, but if you were really doing large batch cookies, you'd really want to have everything set up because you want quality control. You want the first cookie to be or the last cookie to be as good as the first one. And then, of course, one of my favorite ones, which is to make bar cookies because they're easier. (laughs) You get a lot of bar cookies out of one batch, but um, the cookie recipes are traditional and also some new ones. And I think that... uh, you know, a cookie exchange is both useful, uh, useful, 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 yeah. and fun. Yeah, I was gonna say, who doesn't like cookies, right? What have you got, Jill? I've got a cookbook too called Homemade Winter. This uh, cookbook writer, her name is Yvette Van Boven, actually first did a cookbook called Homemade, and then she had all these leftover recipes, so she decided to make Homemade Winter. It is a really beautiful cookbook. It is full of photographs. When she can't uh, describe, she'll actually take photographs of what she's doing so you can really follow along uh, in making any of these things. She has a whole section in here on Christmas uh, so that you have the recipes such as uh, plum quick plum pudding if you don't want to make the long quick plum pudding (laughs) yes and she also has pears with goat's milk brie and red wine jelly things you might not think Mm, of she has it is a gorgeous gorgeous book and she actually apparently is coming out with homemade summer sometime in 2013 so this is an ongoing venture she has lots of wonderful illustrations and as she say, she says in her intro, uh, I worry that you don't think in the same realm as I do. I've also added memories and photos so you get a sense of what I mean. Just like a formally decorated table or a beautifully arranged plate, I believe that a cookbook should exude a certain spirit that I think you should be in when you get in the mood to get going in the kitchen. And I love cookbooks have lots of photos like that. Then it entices me to try the recipe. Absolutely. Right, we, we go, we're running low on time right, here. Well, we want to get what, these cookbooks so we can get to the This is what attracted books. me. You said, who doesn't like yeah. a cookie? Well, I love every cookie yeah. pretty much I've ever seen. And I love this cookbook, The Very Vegan Christmas Cookies. 
125 festive and flavorful, tre- flavorful treats by Ellen Brown, who is the founding food writer for USA Today. Oh. Uh, so there's some you know credibility here. She's currently a food writer for Providence Journal. What I noticed in these uh, cookie recipes, um, which are have a wide range, much more than I think some other traditional cookie uh, books. Uh, for example, pineapple orange cookies, which I feel like have, mm. I have to try. Pina colada <laughs> sandwich cookies. There's another feel one. Feel free to bring those in. Yes, I will. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is the only two items I saw consistently uh, replaced were soy margarine for regular margarine or butter and egg replacement for fresh eggs. So as long as you're comfortable working with those two things, I saw nothing particularly unusual or out of the ordinary yeah. uh, for huh. the vegan cookies. Uh, certainly it would be a great gift for someone who's vegan. Yeah. Um, and also if you have a vegan family member, making cookies that, you know, that, that work for them. Enjoy, exactly. All right, kids, we got, we got a pile of kids' books here. What do we, we got? do. Well, I've got one. Again, I seem to be in the retro mood here. I like this it. I like it. That came out a long time ago, which is new to me, and yes. it could be new to you. If it is, you're in for a real treat. It's called Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree by Robert Berry. And what I love about this book is it starts, that Mr. Willoughby gets a tree. It's a huge, huge tree. He's a very well-to-do man, but the tree is so tall that he has to cut off the top. So he cuts off the top the butler puts it outside and an animal picks it up. So, And then it goes from animal to animal and they all decide it's too big for their cave or their nest or whatever and it ends up back with the mice at Mr. Willoughby's oh. house. So the mice have a little Christmas tree that's just the right size <laughs> to go with Mr. Willoughby's tree next to it. I, I just adore this book. And I also pulled off the shelf one of my all-time favorites which is The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful story. Great story to share at this time of year. This particular edition has illustrations by Lisbeth Zwerger. It was a 1982 pick of the year Mm -hmm. in children's books, and it's still, you'll find it's still in print, it's still in your local library, and they're just beautiful, simple illustrations, and it's such a great story. Mm Okay, I once I read this, I, I had to pick it up. It's called Pete the Cat Saves Christmas, created and illustrated by James Dean, and it's brand new. And who doesn't love cool cats? <laughs> and Pete the Cat lives in Key West, which I think I'm I'm uh, yeah. just thinking, gee, I want to live in Key West too. Um, but this <laughs> is basically in rhyme, and it starts the twas the day before Christmas, and Santa was ill in the cold winter wind. He had caught a bad chill. Will Christmas be canceled? Will it come to that? Never cried Santa. Let's call Pete the cat. <laughs> and so Pete's on a surfboard, and Santa asked Pete to deliver the toys to all the girl boys and all uh, all the good girls and all the good boys. I'll do it, said Pete. And although I am small, at Christmas we give, so I'll give it my all. And that's a um, a sustaining theme through it. He gets in his minibus. And it says, Pete jumped in his minibus and started to roll. Road trip, cried Pete. First stop, the the North Pole. And it goes on and on like this. It's absolutely adorable. I, I love the have, title of this, Hanukkah the Hop. The Hanukkah Hop is a party book. It's brand new, and it talks about how a family prepares for the Hanuk- for Hanukkah, but also all the music that's involved and the dancing and the food and everything. So it's almost like a... 
I don't know. It's it's a it's a rhyme book, but it also has like a song, like yeah, a hip hop song yeah. running through it. I want to get the dinosaur books in. They, I love these dinosaur books. Apparently, it's a series. Uh, how do dinosaurs say? And in this case, there's one which is how do dinosaurs say Happy Hanukkah, and one is how do dinosaurs say Merry Christmas, both by Jane Yolen and Mark Teague, and they are great illustrations. They have they are very badly behaved at the beginning, but they learn how to do the right thing both at Hanukkah and at Christmas. <laughs> really gorgeous illustrations. And they start, uh, the, the Hanukkah one begins, does the dinosaur act up on Hanukkah nights when mama comes in with the holiday lights? And it goes on. Very good. And there's a couple we didn't get to, but we will put on the list uh, for a link to the list of all the books we talked about this morning and the few we did not get to. Uh, go to capeandislands.org and click on the point. Jill Erickson, reference librarian at Falmouth Public Library. Melanie Lowers, books editor at the Cape Cod Times. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Mindy Todd. Thank you for listening. The Point airs weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. We're also on Facebook at The Point WCAI. The Point is produced by Amy Vince. The executive producer is Mindy Todd. Production assistance from Steve Junker and Jenny Junker. Theme music by Benjamin Verdery and William Coulter. The Point is a production of the Cape and Islands NPR stations, a service of WGBH.